0: Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. This week's guest is Richard Pillbeam. You probably know Richard from his excellent lore videos on Bloodborne called Bloodborne Up Close. He also does the Jerksons Frontier YouTube channel. All around an extremely interesting guy, one of the most insightful dudes in the lore business that is still currently uploading videos, and I just had a delightful time talking to him. Um, This was recorded a bit before The Ring City came out, so if you've just heard Richard on the two episodes of Bonfire Side Chat that covered it, you'll actually get just a little bit of a preview of what we were thinking was going to happen, and spoilers, nobody was happy. (laughs) As always, uh, you can find all of the podcast show links at don'tgiveupskeleton.com. Go there for Instagram links, for Twitter links, and all of that business, but most importantly, enjoy the episode. I think you've played all of the games. If I, remember I right have right.
1: played all of them. Yeah. Okay, I mean, so, um, I'm trying to platinum all of them at the moment. Oh, nice. Which one you got left? Uh, Demon Souls and Dark Souls Two. God, Demon Souls is such Demon a Souls has that <laughs> fucking Zero point one percent pure Bladestone drop. Oh, I hate and it's <laughs> region locked, so I can't get anyone I know on the internet to give it to me. Oh wow, I was i g I didn't even
0: think about that. Um Yeah.
1: Cause like I have a friend, the um casative who I did that series with, like she's platinum it, but she like she's on the North American surface. so she was able to like just get someone to give her Bladestone. Yeah, because I've had people offer to do that. I just haven't taken them up yet
0: to, the, to go yeah. ahead and knock it out. Um, and I've actually tried to get it myself and, you know, just run into those skeletons and trying yeah, to kill Yeah, them. I, I
1: did it for like two hours and I'm like, what the fuck am I doing my life? <laughs>
0: I did the same thing for Dark Souls 3, though, um, with the, the souvenirs. Ears. Yeah, the ears. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. I,
1: I was able to justify that because I had like, lectures to listen to. So I just put them on and like zoned out listening to them while doing that run up, killing the night, running back, killing the night. I did it when I
0: discovered um, the Magic Tavern podcast. So I'd listen to like oh, yeah. five of those in a row. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I've
1: yeah, I've been like, um, I've been, um, I did uh, return to Lordran, not mm. Lordran, Drang, Lake. Drang Lake. and I I I marathoned um, Monster in my podcast during that. So that was oh, good. yeah, that's a good one to marathon yeah. too. I don't yeah. know what it is. Yeah.
0: you would think a five minute podcast would be kind of weird listening to it. Like back to back to back to back, but I think it really really works with them interrupting themselves like that. It's 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 a really good one to binge.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The where where do you what do you have left on Dark Souls two to play them? Oh, just those ridiculous like get every single sorcery ones. Yeah, yeah. Where it's just like I'm gonna have to join the Bell Covenant and kill thirty people and then.
0: I think um the ridiculous things that people do to to get these stuff, um, because you know, the Bell Covenant you can do by farming the red phantom.
1: Yeah, and you, you can do the
0: sunlight one with mm-hmm. the Falconers in things betwixt. If you're on a if you're on PC, an old trick I heard was to uh watch the amount of memory that Dark Souls 2 <laughs> is using. And if you sit at that bonfire and you see your memory tick up by a certain amount, you know that the invader is there. So then you can oh, go right. and fight him. But if you sit at the bonfire yeah. and you and he you see your memory not tick up, you know you have to sit again. <laughs> <laughs> oh. yeah i did that on ps4 i did I farmed that one renovator and I, I was actually actively looking for you know invasions but i think at that point i was just my soul memory was yeah. too high
1: my other plan is to like try to get from bloodborne's beginning up to mergo's wetness without visiting the hunter's dream to see what happens
0: so okay so you <laughs> i'm trying to think of how that would work because if you die new game plus yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay, you just go into yeah. New Game Plus,
1: and like you could probably like just leg it because it's not particularly long, long if you ignore the optional stuff.
0: Yeah, and as long as if you're a New Game Plus, your weapons are upgraded enough that you can yeah, uh, exactly knock out the bosses. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that would be yeah, interesting. Because I want to see, see what, what would
1: happen if you like that's the first time you go there. Like, do you? Because if you if you wake up in the dream, like if you've got like the like, this happened to me. I, I did New Game Plus, and I had milkweed on. And when you wake up in that cutscene, you have the giant broccoli head.
0: Oh, do you really?
1: Yeah, so I'm like, well, if this happened like clearly it's loading this in in real time, so would that happen with the dream on fire when I went in there? After oh, beating that? Is, that would be some really cool like cutscene stuff. Yeah. <laughs>
0: if if that works, um I got to tell Neo Loki that. That sounds like something Neo Loki would love to to yeah. use in his videos. <laughs> <laughs> what well, a great I'd idea. i
1: try it. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's, um, do you, do you do a lot of stuff like that? Like, do you do kind of weird self challenge runs? Not
1: really, um, not really challenging unquote, stuff. Just like, te- I, I get interested in testing. Like what would happen if I did this mm-hmm. sort of stuff? Like, yeah. What other stuff have you done like that? Um, oh, just, just like stuff that, that most people have already done, like running to untended graves before you talk mm-hmm. to the shrine handmaid and.
0: Just like to see grabbing, if they programmed anything yeah, like around there. Yeah.
1: Grabbing the covetous serpent ring and stuff like that before you're supposed to. Gotcha. Yeah, I really enjoy sequ- but-
0: sequence breaking and stuff like that in Dark Souls. Like that's some yeah. of my, my fun stuff. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. There was a um I remember someone doing a weird thing to see how many people they could get in Firelink Shrine at the same time. Yeah. And uh, they somehow managed to get uh, both of the Onion Bros and Firelink at oh, cool. the same time, which I had never seen before. But that's yeah. just, like, because you know, not a lot of people realize you can get Ingward into Firelink, and, like, trying to keep as yeah. many NPCs as you can in there is pretty interesting.
1: Yeah. I cloned Yosefka once. Oh, yeah? If you do the fence jump glitch. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It gets yeah. confused about what's going on, and it loads mm-hmm. her in twice. I really like the uh. I really, really liked the fence cl- fence jump glitch. Yeah, I, that's why I, I hung on to my like original copy of Bloodborne, even though I've got the Game of the Year edition. Yeah, because I, I want to just in case I need to demonstrate the fence jump glitch at some point and have an unpatched version.
0: That's uh, this exact same reason I kind of sought down uh, um because I had a digital version of Dark Souls One, but I sought out yeah. a uh, like a physical copy um to make sure that I. Because I think I had already given my physical copy away, but I wanted to have an unpatched yeah. version so I could do dumb stuff, <laughs> so I could yeah. do the
1: dragon head glitch and all that stuff. So. Yeah, I, I need to I need to get a physical Demon Souls at some point. Yeah, so yeah. I only have a digital of that.
0: I have, I have a digital copy, um, and then a friend of mine was selling a uh, one of the collector's editions, so I, I picked up one yeah. of those because those are relatively hard to find. Yeah. Are you, uh,
1: are you, yeah. do, you, do you
0: collect the games like that? Like, do, you, do you like to have um, multiple copies and stuff like that?
1: Uh, I like to have multiple copies if there's like, differences, okay. basically, just for sort of archival reasons. Just to, just to make like, sure you have yeah. one on hand so you can do something. Yeah, just like- so like, particularly with Bloodborne, because I've been basically doing basically just Bloodborne for about two years. So it, mm-hmm. it's helpful to have version 0.0. 0. 0. <laughs> loading, so I can show screens and all, but <laughs> giant loading screens and just show off like like there's some some bits of text that changed between zero
2: and
1: zero point one. Mm-hmm. I did yeah. No, there's a whole thing like if you um the the workshop, the umbilical cord you find in the workshop, that has completely different text if you play it unpatched.
0: Oh, interesting. I no and it idea. refers
1: to all it refers to all the stuff about like the church stealing Annalisa's child. Oh, wow. And they took all of that stuff yeah. out. They took it out. And it's like, oh, that, that kind of explains why she's calling herself the enemy of the church. Because the church came in after the executioners and took her child away. And that's where that chord comes from.
0: Wow. Okay. That okay. Yeah. That's, I wonder what, like, I want to know, I, I wish that we <laughs> had something beyond patch notes. Like, I want to know the patch notes for the patch notes to know why they changed Oh, definitely. Things, yeah. Right? I would yeah. love to get into the mind of even some of the mechanical changes of like, why did you think that this sword needed a? a 20% oh, in- decrease in damage. Me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't understand why they do yeah. that stuff sometimes. And there has to well, be... I was,
1: I was looking at, like... I tried doing a faith build in Dark Souls 3 and got to the cathedral and realized, like, this is not going to work because <laughs> you have not thought this through. <laughs> and it's so disappointing because Dark Souls 2 has such good mechanics. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, Dark Souls 2, like, I, I did Return to Drang Lake with power stancing sestuses the whole time
0: oh that i love that build
1: that's so yeah. much fun I and mean, it's, it's just completely unusable that. in any other game in the series oh yeah like try to do that in dark yeah. souls 1 and like you go
0: crazy like the Cestus the is one yeah. of the worst weapons yeah
1: yeah oh
0: man the um i did the same thing in dark souls 3 with the sorcery build i, I started yeah. with like i'm going to do uh you know i'm not i'm going to have like a dagger to backstab people and uh i'm going to shoot spells and let me just tell you that trying to kill the cursed rotten greatwood with a dagger oh, God, and yeah. sorcery, and then trying to like, okay, I don't know what I'm doing because I didn't quite pick up on like the pustules that you have to bust right off the bat. Yeah. So like, oh, I'm gonna sunbro to learn the fight, and then having my Estus haft and like, oh, yeah, now I can't
1: do anything. <laughs> yeah, I got stuck on that for ages because my first character was a herald with this spear which has that tiny little hitbox. Yeah, yeah, that's and just good. trying to. It, yeah, and then I, you go back again just with a sword, and it takes like five minutes.
0: <laughs> yeah, I started a strength build with a, with a big giant axe yeah. and was like, it just took me no time at all. It was so much I'm fun. I'm on,
1: I'm using a, I have a, a character prepped for the Ringed City, and I've got the, the, have you tried the Crow Talons? I have
0: not, yeah. I went they are, that they have time. this
1: completely broken weapon art that if you apply, it hits like six times in a row incredibly quickly once it connects. And if you combine that with Karthus Rouge, you're, like, proccing bleed, like, instantly. And that it uses FP, killer, but it, huh? does, it does. It does. It doesn't. If you have F, no FP, it loses damage, but it's still hitting. So you can still so procc bleed just, with it. Yeah. You can just spam it. I killed the Nameless King with it just by, like, L2ing him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's awesome i haven't man i'm i'm so out of the dark souls 3 better because i yeah I just haven't been paying attention to it and I, I feel bad like i feel like a bad dark souls fan because of it
1: oh i i don't know anything about them like i assume this would be useless of pvp because it has this massive windup mm-hmm. but once you're dealing with bosses that don't care you can just like l2 everything to death so provided like the ring city bosses can be bled out i don't think it's going to be much of a problem
0: yeah, it's um I'm I'm pretty excited for the Ring City DLC. I, I, it yeah. would be interesting to see how they wrap up this game. Like I'm very very it's, curious. Well,
1: they've said that and they've also said that they think Dark Souls 3 is a complete story without the DLC. So, yeah. And yeah. I'm not
0: one of those guys that think that um you know, they're going to like tie up everything into a like a like a nice yeah. pretty bow tie at the end. I don't think it's possible at this point. Like the the lore for Dark Souls yeah, no, 3 is kind of all over the place. It's blues. all over the place.
1: It's yeah. Like I said that when I was on Bonfire Side chat that it's so clearly the work of like three different teams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where it was like you do this, but you do this, but you do this, but and we'll say the lands are converging and stick them all together. And the, the fan and then it base really go here.
0: If you didn't have uh, Miyazaki at the helm of this, I think the fan base would have reacted much more negatively than you Definitely, did.
1: Definitely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Which is drastically yeah. unfair to that entire team and that entire company. Like uh, Yeah. I mean, Miyazaki seems like a super smart guy. He seems like in his, his, some of his like interviews with him and his vision for for video games seems amazing. But like, yeah, one person does not make five of these huge open world games in what, seven years? Like, that's just impossible.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, it's like, it's a continual thing with fandom, like sort of, like me, like it's almost as if like Miyazaki sticks a USB in his brain and the game just appears on it. And that's not what's <laughs> He's... Yeah, ready
0: to go, ready to go to gold. He just pulls yeah. a he pulls a, like a a Blu-ray out of the back of his head. Just hands yeah. it to is this, is this going in the
1: actual podcast or not? I don't know.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, we I figured, yeah, I got we've been recording yeah. for a while so yeah, we'll, we'll get yeah, into no, it. Yeah, no, I don't,
1: I don't care. I just wanted to I just like should I talk about stuff now or should I talk about it later on? Oh no, no. Let, let's get into talking. it. Yeah, this yeah, is all okay, fun. Yeah. Like as soon as we started yeah. talking
0: about trophies, I was like, okay, then we'll we'll get into it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> 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 Cuz like like one of the things like the way I approach the the games is like my understanding of the game kind of extends backward into the production of it and the world around it. So like Miyazaki's the director, but he's directing other people who are inputting ideas. So mm-hmm. it's not like it's not entirely down to him.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And like when, when people talk about Demon's Souls being this like revolutionary thing, Demon's Souls is very, very heavily derived from Kingsfield. Like it's basically it's it's Kingsfield, but faster and in third person, and there's kind of more stuff to do in it. But that whole <laughs> concept of like the the sort of the the kind of slow combat with the stamina management all comes from king's Field.
0: yeah it's um and what yeah i find it fascinating when you hear that story that um like the the original demon souls was kind of floundering and being like because i guess some sony wanted a something to combat skyrim or elder yeah. Scrolls or Morrowind, so they then they say like okay well we're gonna have this first person game and then miyazaki came in and pulled it to the third person and saved the day and i'm like Guys, like they were doing Kingsfield for a while, which I know you can't really compare yeah. Kingsfield and Skyrim, <laughs> but you can kind of compare Kingsfield and you know, Marwind or Skyrim or whatever those, yeah, whatever yeah. those games are.
1: Yeah, because like I, I got into From Software like in the 90s with Armored Core, okay. Because, um, I my first exposure to them was back in the olden days when magazines had demo discs on the front. I got a PlayStation magazine that had an Armored Core demo on it, and it it was like two levels. But I was noticing like there's so much detail here mechanically, and then like I eventually picked up the game, and I'm like, this is the work of people who have like a very sort of an interesting set of priorities when it comes to games. That like the first Armored Core doesn't run particularly well. It's a very like bland level design. It has a very bad frame rate. It's very clunky, but it's full of little things like there'll be dozens and dozens of different head parts for your robot. And like three of them will have one specific thing that like detects biological matter. And that will be useful on like one level. So there's like one (laughs) level where you have to make sure you've got this, one of these head pieces equipped and things like things that like would be flavor text in another game suddenly become gameplay mechanics. Like does your radar have a noise canceller? You know, does the, <laughs> what kind of onboard memory storage does the computer in the robot's head have? And suddenly that was becoming this, <laughs> like, and then it got progressively more complex. Like an Armored Core 3, it's like, what kind of radiator am I using? Like, versus the heat output of the, like, booster and things like that. And it was so in-depth. And it's like looking at it; it seems like that that kind of mechanical complexity and attention to detail was more important than making like a fast-paced action game. Because like this is the this is like the beginning of the PlayStation One, so everyone was playing like Crash Bandicoot and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I've never getting three D stuff was like very hard on the uh, on the because the PS One was not like a three D powerhouse really, and a lot of the games on it were kind of like cutting corners to make themselves. Played quickly, and this was a game that played very slowly. But it was, and Kingsfield is the same. Like that game is like, I think it's like it takes you something like fifteen seconds to turn around in Kingsfield. <laughs> it's really slow. Yeah. It's yeah, like people call Demon Souls slow, and it's like Demon Souls is like so much faster than Kingsfield. Oh yeah, and I think yeah. Demon Souls is faster than Dark Souls. Um, like, oh, definitely.
0: Yeah. I mean, just the just the way yeah. that your character moves is faster.
1: Yeah. So, like when I. I was a big um, armored core fan and then I kind of fell out of um playing video games after high school. And then I got back into it when I was at graduate school and I was getting paid again. And then I picked up a PS3 like toward the end of its lifespan in like twenty fourteen. Okay. And I noticed that um I was like just browsing the store and I saw Demon Souls and it was, oh, that's from software, I'll pick that up because I remember those guys and um and then, because it was 2014, we already had Dark Souls, and Dark Souls Two was about to come out at that point, or was it already out in 2014? Um, I
0: think I might think it might already. Have it would come out, out at the, in 2014, at the beginning of the.
1: Yeah, year. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I I grabbed like basically all three of them in very rapid succession and played through all of them.
0: Oh wow! So you went through yeah. you had a that's a lot of souls <laughs> in a short amount of time.
1: Yeah. Yes, and like by the time I'd done that, like it, the the law stuff was pretty pretty well codified at that point, because, like, Vati and um, ENB had been doing the the story explanation videos for a very long time, so there wasn't, like, much new ground to look at. And then when Bloodborne came out, um, it was, so that was the first one I kind of played at the same time as other people. So I was sort of discovering it along with them, and I got involved in the community that way.
0: Okay. What was um what was it like kind of discovering the Dark Souls community cuz if you weren't really into video games and you weren't kind of paying attention <laughs> to this stuff like it has to be the Dark Souls fan base I think is relatively unique with video games because it swings so yeah. wildly like we have we have people uh, like yourself and like we have a bunch of content creators putting out like these crazy videos and then we have people that are like get gooding everyone on streams yeah. and talking about you know PvP honor and stuff like that was it what was it like discovering all of that for the first time
1: Well day? I, I... I never really had any interest in the like get good stuff because it was so transparently basically just marketing. Mm-hmm. Like the whole like prepare to die, like go beyond. Like <laughs> that's that's reached this like apex of ridiculousness with three where you've got like the chicken wing thing. Well, this game get, is so difficult, where you have to eat really spicy chicken wings. And I'm just like, come on.
0: The fact that they put like, um, go beyond death slogan into an item description. In yeah, it's, three oh, it's on one Dark of the Kaifa things. Oh, so it's my like, God. It's just, oh. It makes me roll my eyes so hard. Like it's just. And like,
1: and like i i feel kind of like a dick saying this but they're not that hard
0: no they they really aren't like like, anybody that's really played the games will tell you like it's not it's not necessarily that they're you know hugely difficult it's just they make you like they make you
1: consider the game more than other games yeah like you die a lot but you can't run out of lives so (laughs) eventually you will brute force your way through these areas it's it's not like like you die a lot in contra but after you die three times you have to start the whole game again. That's hard.
0: Yeah, that's that that's doing something to perfection on you know minimal yeah. with minimal deaths, which yeah. I, I kind of feel yeah. like Dark Souls 3 is starting to do with these particularly um, three like, phase given boss boss fights. That, yeah.
1: yeah, given that like they're also their RPGs. So if you do badly, going and upgrading yourself is a possibility. Mm-hmm. Like if you die in a certain point and you can't get past it rather than improving necessarily the way that you're playing, you can and run off and like grind for a while and get your armor upgraded and run back and the things won't be able to hit you as hard. So it's then uh like the 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 whole like the difficulty thing is is really really overplayed and I think it's in some ways it's it's detrimental because I know people who like will who if this were just a game that was available would be interested in it but they've done such a such a, a huge they've made such a huge deal out of this is very difficult that they don't want to play it. Because they're saying this looks too hard, even though like, I mean, I wouldn't describe them as particularly difficult. Basically,
0: I think um, at the beginning when you're first learning to play Dark Souls, if yeah. If you if you're because I started playing it as it was like a like just a normal action game that I'd, like an Assassin's Creed game, or you know, yeah. Spam, 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 spam. I don't really have to worry about <laughs> anything. Oh, I got hit. Now I have to heal. Yeah. or... And that doesn't work. Like the 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 commitment to the animations and things like that. Like you can't. You have to really think about what you're doing. But once you understand that, you actually don't have to think about it that much. (laughs) Like it just makes sense. It's logical. Oh, I can't get hit that much. Oh, my stamina is low. I'm going to deal with it in this kind of way. Yeah.
1: Because I like like a lot of the difficulty just comes down to the game is not going to handhold you. But that's something that like a lot of games did when I was growing up. Anyway. And it helped build, like, an attachment to it. Like, you know, the Legend of Zelda. Like, you start without a sword in an area with four exits. And if you (laughs) pick three of them, you will die. (laughs) You have to know to go into the cave to get the sword, then come out, and then you're not given any real direction. Like, that's what Dark Souls was like. Yeah. And I wouldn't say... Oh, Legend of Zelda, prepare to die. Like it's just, <laughs> it's just something you figure out <laughs> through playing it.
0: Legend of Zelda, prepared. It. I don't know why that gets me. I guess because I've been yeah. playing a little bit of the new Zelda uh, since it came out For yesterday. The and, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Wild and uh, yeah, just the idea that because I've that game is a little bit harder than I expected it to be, and I've died yeah. a couple of times in like the yeah. first area, and just that, see, imagining that prepare to die or that uh, you die yeah. screen showing yeah. up, right? <laughs>
1: yeah but it's, like, it's kind of the same deal, because like in, in Zelda, you can walk off in the wrong direction and just get killed by a bunch of enemies, and in Dark Souls you can accidentally walk into the graveyard.
0: Did you walk into the graveyard your first time through?
1: Um, yeah, because I, I could not I actually worked, worked into New Londo the first time through because oh, I, I couldn't find the um, <laughs> I couldn't find the stairs that led up to the aqueduct because mm-hmm. they're, they're not immediately obvious, so I just oh, there's a giant elevator here, I guess that's where I have to go. I ended up in New Londo. And then I ran out of transient curses and ran back again and realized, oh, there's a much easier place up these stairs
0: <laughs> that doesn't have haunted ghosts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what when you're because you said you were kind of out of video games when you picked up yeah um, Demon Souls and Dark Souls and Dark Two. Like, did you have like the the biggest difficulty in those games? I find are the controls. Like, just because I was at the time I was playing video games, so I was used to like not having to worry about stamina or, you know, I was used to like being able to cancel attacks. Did you have any difficulty with just like coming um, to grips with the mechanics?
1: No, I think because I've been out of video games for so long that I didn't have like a like an expectation of how things were supposed to control. Okay. Like it, it was weird playing a game with the shoulder shoulder bumper buttons with the attacks because I don't think I'd ever seen that before. But, yeah, um, I, don't, I don't remember yeah. seeing
0: that. That felt really weird for me, and now it feels yeah. weird for me when they, when games don't. Do yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and
1: like having to click in the stick to lock onto stuff. Yeah, yeah. But like, I guess because I hadn't played Assassin's Creed or Skyrim or anything, I didn't come in with any like particular preconceptions of how they were going to play out.
0: What about from a from a story perspective? Um... I, you mentioned that like obviously in 2014 everything about not everything yeah. but a, a majority of Dark Souls has been figured out
1: um, yeah definitely yeah were you yeah, paying well, attention see, to that I, while you were playing um, or were you picking on that on I, pl- I, I picked up on it kind of halfway through when like I said maybe I should start looking at the wiki now gotcha because uh, like I can't remember which wiki it might have been Fextralife but like it would you would look up like Seath the scalars, and it would be like the page for the boss and then down the bottom here's the story of Seath you know stuff like that gotcha. so like, I picked up on stuff like that and yeah but I yeah I never found the story of Dark Souls, like the as in the narrative that you play out in the game, to be particularly confusing. because like Frampt basically just lays it all out for you. What was um, what people were, were picking up on was the little like kind of details in the item descriptions, but that wasn't really the plot of it. That yeah, was, it was like sort of just world building,
0: exactly. Yeah. yeah, which is stuff that I really really enjoy in Dark Souls. Like, I'm, yeah, definitely. That it's it's always interesting to me that the the less you talk about something the more interesting it seems like the, yeah
1: it, it felt like um like if you got a source book for a role-playing game mm-hmm. it would just have little like details about here's how this world works you know these are like they're like story hooks that you could use and here the game was kind of inserting them into it
0: i've, I've used this metaphor before but playing through dark souls and trying to read like through the item descriptions and try to piecing piecing together the narrative and like the stuff around it really felt like they had written a book about it and just torn out pages and this didn't give you the whole thing which is always like the dark tower is like that right the the same similar style where even though that's
1: literally seven books
0: (laughs) i guess (laughs) i guess i can't really use it but but it feels like there's pages missing from both of those worlds yeah we don't don't know yet and like
1: it it made the world seem more more kind of whole because it's like if This world is a real place that these people really live in, so they're not going to go around explaining things they already know to each other. Exactly. And they don't, which is really gratifying.
0: Like the the game doesn't um, ever really do an exposition dump. And when it does, it's almost expressively lying to you, (laughs) which is really
1: good. (laughs) Well, that's what's great because, like, you, um, the Carth and Framp, neither of them technically lie. They lie by omission. They just Mm -hmm. don't tell you something, but they don't ever tell you anything that's actually untrue. And like what what to me was gratifying was playing through it again, having known stuff and then realizing that like things I didn't quite understand initially made sense in retrospect. Like, why is there a channeler in Undead Parish? Like he just seems like a random guy there to buff those um sword wielding hollows. And then you're like, oh, it's one of Seath's agents and he's there because he's waiting for Raya, because Seath wants to kidnap Raya. And that that attention to
0: detail and enemy yeah. placement um, is something that I think Beyond the, the the interconnected world, which is where everyone kind of goes to to put Dark Souls ahead of all of the other games, but that yeah. that attention to detail and enemy placement and item placement and item descriptions with those items that are there, I think makes that game much much more interesting because you can't really say that about like there there is no channeler equivalent in Dark Souls Two that I could think of at the time. No, of my head. and like
1: I, like I was talking to a like I I did return to Dragon like recently, and like I was talking to a friend about it because I hadn't really paid that much attention to the um the changes in scholar and then i realized once i hit vendrick's castle that they just shoved like every enemy in the game is now in vendrick's castle (laughs) like and i'm like well what what's the relevance of this and my i was doing to a friend and he's like oh well yeah it's weird it's almost like vendrick has some sort of monster zoo there that he's like collected all these things and i'm like maybe but See, that would make Maybe they sense just, in uh, Yeah. Aldia. In Aldia. Yeah, yeah Aldi, Aldia kind of has one. Yeah. Like, the, there's the hints of it, stuff. yeah, with, with regard to Aldia, that, like, you can kind of see... They sort of went back and, like, you can kind of see Aldia's hand at work in that world if you know where to look for it kind of at the beginning. But Aldia himself is kind of a retcon because he wasn't in the base game originally. Mm-hmm. He's which, like is, a, which is disappointing
0: yeah. because I think with especially with the dlc and his ending is one of the more satisfied endings across yeah. of the games like the ability to walk away from the cycle is something that i was hoping that they would do in dark souls 3 i thought we would get a definitive like okay we're going to step outside of the circle at this point now. yeah
1: unfortunately we didn't
0: we haven't got that yet like i'm not going to discount a new ending from it from the dlc but i, I kind of don't see that happening either so.
1: yeah well i i have like I have a character who's almost beaten Soul of Cinder, so that's like the last thing. So I'm going to do the Ring City and then beat the game and see what happens. See if we get some new ending. I'll be curious. Even if it's it's just... Even if it's just like the same Lord of Hollows ending, but like Carth's silhouetted in the background or something, <laughs> just like something like that,
0: just something new and different, just a tiny, a tiny yeah, yeah, tiny kind of thing.
1: Thing. like 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 the like the Sif cutscene changing when you do exactly you do the Artorias DLC mm-hmm. before Sif, yeah. or the weird dialogue you
0: get from um the old lady in Firelink, yeah, if you talk to the one of the past first, like that's really interesting. That's always really yeah. interesting, and again. I just, why? Like, what was your, what was your mind's, uh, that would And then I don't know that I would ever get an opportunity to, to interview, but man, in, any if I got a chance to interview anyone from it would be, I would ask the most inane question. It would be insufferable. Yeah. So on patch note <laughs> 2.3, <laughs> you changed the dialogue. Yeah. Can, you oh, t- God. can
1: you tell me why? <laughs> well, there's that interview with Miyazaki in the Bloodborne Guide, and he basically just says, well, that's one interpretation. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really give you any defined answers in that.
0: He doesn't really give you a lot in any of his interviews. Like he's a I think he's a delight yeah. to talk to when he's talking about um, any other game, but when he's talking about yeah. Dark Souls, he's very closed mouth about it, which is which is fine. Like that's totally Yeah, yeah.
1: Good. Yeah. Yeah. And like I'm I'm kind of glad he is because like then I would kind of be forced to try incorporating what he's saying into what I'm doing.
0: Yeah, it's it's dealing yeah. with canon is kind of weird when it comes yeah, to Yeah, well like video that's a that really good
1: <laughs> That's a really good like thing to apply to the Souls games because they have multiple editions. Mm-hmm. So it's like like when Dark Souls 2 originally came out, there was this fan theory that Aldia was the ancient dragon. And kind of a lot of things pointed toward that. And then Scholar comes out and Aldia's a giant bond with the comical notes, and it's like <laughs>
0: and a wonderful voice
1: <laughs> yeah so it's like and it, it reminds me like of, of the arguments around like the five different cuts of Blade Runner where yes. sort of the answer is like is Aldi the ancient dragon and it's like well it depends on which version you're playing
0: yeah is Harrison Ford yeah, it's yeah and it's like yeah the way.
1: answer is there is no defined answer because there's five different versions of Blade Runner Yeah, and like with Bloodborne um, is the forgotten madman in the library in Floodville? And it's like, well, you know, maybe if you're playing the unpatched original release of Bloodborne, it's Ludwig. And if you're playing the old Hunters, it isn't Ludwig. Yep. And yeah, particularly with video games where they can just patch stuff, like after the game has come out, it's still being changed. So, like, I'm, like, fine with, like, just multiple versions of something existing. I'm not going to lose my mind trying to fit everything into one fixed canon.
0: I think it's... um as I've gotten a little bit older and I'm not like ancient or anything, like I'm in my thirties, <laughs> but as I've gotten yeah. older, like my desire for a grand unified theory of anything has gotten less. less. Yeah. I don't, cause need like, my, I, yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't need my video games to have yeah. one master class or master, you know, yeah. plot line to fit everything. cause
1: side. I know like you're, you're an X-Men guy and you've got like <laughs> an X-Men podcast. Yeah. Like, I don't know anything about X-Men, but I imagine it's a similar thing. Cause it's been going for so long that there's just no way to like fit all this into one canon.
0: You should. You should. <laughs> there was a recent <laughs> plotline, and I don't. I don't keep up with the comics as much as I do. But yeah. there was a recent plotline where um, one of the characters in modern day X Men went back in time and took the team <laughs> from the nineteen sixties. So these teenagers, teenage yeah. versions of the current team, brought them into our timeline, and then also future X Men came back in time to our time. So there's like <sighs> four. At one point, yeah. there's like three versions, three time different versions of the same guy hanging around, and like, yeah. I don't really. I'm sure that infuriates some people, and I think it's ridiculous. But also that that's that you can do that. It's a comic book. Who cares? It costs. Yeah, money. It Doesn't yeah. cost nothing. But like, there's no there's no cost to do that. Like it's just fun with the characters. Have fun. Go with it.
1: Yeah, and like you you can't expect someone to keep up with everything that's happened in that. <laughs> no, not at all. So like it, you know like I. I'm on thin ice talking about comic books because it's something that like I don't really have an engagement with but I know so many people who do that I like absorb it by osmosis Mm -hmm. but like wasn't there a thing that like the original idea behind some of the Marvel stuff was just like it would reset kind of without um, without announcing it like every like four or five years because they figured that people would read comic books between like 13 and 17 so as long as they just kept shifting it like every four years they could reuse something because the people who were reading it wouldn't remember it.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, X-Men had a, I can't remember the name of the device, but they actually had a, like a,
1: it's, it's literally
0: a plot device where they could go through this oh cube and like change their whole world and change their lives.
1: <laughs> like it's <laughs> yeah, like, I'm aware of like the the crisis on infinite earths thing. Oh where yeah. They tried to oh, modify oh, yeah, everything. Yeah. And like, there's some like Grant Morrison, Batman comic where Batman, has a drug trip in a coffin and hallucinates all the like weird 60s strips That's, in order to make them canon by saying they were a dream he had <laughs> there's a, a a Warren Ellis comic
0: where um called um Planetary that's delightful but they did a special crossover with like this with some dc characters and there's one where they're investigating a murder and the universe is flipping so they get a different batman like every five or ten minutes oh god <laughs> and it's <laughs> and it's and it's warren ellis it's written very well and it's like yeah it's yeah. like cheesy comic book things that can only happen in comic book and it's yeah. really really good but yeah it's it's just ridiculous dark souls has stuff like that too like you think yeah. about you, you think about some of the stories out of um, just they're even on the sidelines um so just the, the great mixture of and, and dark souls 2 specifically does this like with the the, the great sadness of some characters and like the real yeah. goofiness of other ones yeah do do you have a particular i don't I hesitate to say favorite or best <laughs> or anything but um, like do you have a, a a plot line or a story or like a whatever in any of the games that stands um, out to the most i think most i think
1: German. German? okay germ as like not cuz I, I i don't find the the stories of the souls games particularly like interesting just as stories apart from bloodborne it's more the way that they're told okay and i think the way that bloodborne's story unfolds is extremely intelligently done because it will constantly it will show you something that doesn't appear to make sense and then in the next area it will do something to contextualize what you've seen and if you if you this is like if you do the dlc at, like, the eleventh hour just before fighting German. Suddenly it's that moment when everything clicks, when you get to the Hamlet, and the guy is saying, Bergenworth mother is dead, you know, their baby Mm -hmm. has been taken, and then you hear German crying, and you realize that basically the entire of what's going on is built upon this act of, like, of, like, infanticide and sort of the... this almost, like, I was talking to um a, a lot of like Lovecraft weird fiction people about bloodborne, and like that the fishing hamlet area is very clearly influenced by Shadow of Innsmouth, yeah. but the actual structure of that story, it's a lot more like a colonial like mummy's curse story about the explorers and the scientists, and they they go to this like quote unquote uncivilized place and they find this this sacred thing and they they want to try to take it and they they trespass. And then that places this curse upon them. And that's sort of more how it's structured than it is as a as a Lovecraftian thing. And like finally getting to the Hamlet and realizing that like the the horror that German's going through is all based on this sort of weird, like kind of defilement that he's involved in. And mm-hmm. it's like you stop seeing him as just this like weird old creepy guy, and you realize actually he's like suffered this horrible like psychological trauma because of things he's been through and it it recontextualizes everything and that was like this really sort of satisfying moment when i realized it all kind of came full circle
0: i really adore when these games give you the ability to play back through them with your eyes open this time you mentioned that with yeah. the Chandler and then with german as yeah. well. um <clears throat> the dlc and the old hunters dlc is just amazing for that. The yeah. way it tells that story, and then when you play through the game the next time, like uh, knowing who the doll is, knowing what she represents, knowing th- that what that says about German, <laughs> and why yeah. you play through that game is just fascinating to me.
1: Yeah, and you realize that like it's it. it this sounds wanky, but it's like the idea that all these characters that you've been interacting with—they're creepy because they're completely traumatized. But it doesn't actually, like, outright say that. You, exactly. you, you see what they've done, and they don't know that you've seen what they've done. So there's not, like, a confrontation scene where Gurman, like, admits everything. And that works really well. And it makes that moment where you, you decide to challenge
0: Gurman in the final fight, and he says, tonight, Gurman yeah. joins the hunt, as one of the best delivered lines in the game. Like, the fact yeah. that it's delivered the way it is, and it keeps... It keeps its meaning and actually kind of changes its meaning based on the DLC. It's just fascinating yeah. to me. I love it. Yeah, and like
1: that—that's a really great DLC because it's so—it's so clearly like this was meant to be in the game, and we ran out of time. Stuff. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm positive that when you know Illusory Wall or Wolf Two K or whoever it is ends up hacking Bloodborne, we are going to find like the beta version of the Maria fight in there. <laughs>
0: If they could ever just bust open that PS4 firmware, we'd have all the all the <laughs> details we'd ever need to know. Yeah,
1: I've I've been like because yeah, this, this is a thing with like when I when I talk about the games, like I was saying before, like I I consider like what the the boundaries of what constitutes like the game fairly vague, and like mm-hmm. you know the production of the game is part of it, and like you know it is it is worth considering that like you know something. I, what got me into thinking about Bloodborne the way I do is that I've worked on short films before. I worked on short films for three or four years. And once you do that, you realize that, like, I mean, you, you might know this intellectually, but it it sort of hits you that, like, if you're watching a film, literally everything that is in frame was intentionally put there by somebody. Even if, like, unless it's a, a guerrilla documentary thing and people are running around the street, like, you know, those um, that you know, that character's costume was designed, and they were consulting. You know, the director and the costume designer and the actor were all consulting. You know, what would this character wear? What should we get them? You know, what? Uh, how should we dress them? What does this say about them? And like, you know, this this house who lives in this house, what? Um, you know, what, what kind of person are they? How is that going to be reflected in the kind of things you will find in this house? Um, and that's, that's what got me into thinking about Bloodborne that way, because I was noticing like, there's all these little visual details and they're not, I don't imagine that like Miyazaki is, is cackling to himself because he's, I'm going to hide all these things in the production design (laughs) so that. Two years later, a bunch of board graduate students will be trying to figure it out. I think he's just like, you know, um, when when they designed Hemwick, it wasn't just like, oh, we need a village. It was like, here's Hemwick, so what kind of place is Hemwick? What do they do there? What relationship does Hemwick have to Yarnum? What's its relationship to Kanehurst? Who's in charge of Hemwick? You know, what's the economy of Hemwick? And these all factored into the design of that area. And you can intuit a lot about how Hemwick works just by looking at it. But it's not, um, you never meet an NPC or read an item description that outright says, like, Hemwick is a giant crematorium.
0: Yeah, like, there's no, in The Witcher 3, but you'd, you'd pick up a History of Hemwick book, maybe four paragraphs of yeah, History of yeah, Hemwick, right? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and, like,
1: um, before the Old Hunters came out, like, I had talked about the doll. And I had, like, pointed out in that that, like, she looks a lot like she's someone from Kanehurst and she's... She looks very Thumerian and she's um, like the style of dress was like Kanehurst. She was connected to the Kanehurst Vilebloods and she was also connected to German's Apprentice. And like that was all intuited just from the way that she looks and what she does. And then the DLC comes out and it's confirmed, yeah, this is based on German's Apprentice who was from Kanehurst. And like that's it's all just built into the design of that character all because the, they they're thinking, okay, she's from Canehurst, what would she wear? has to look consistent with everyone else from Kanehurst. She's got to have the same kind of like facial features as the people from Kanehurst. She's got to have the, you know, it's like they, they think this stuff through cause they're, you know, they're, they're very, very good at what they do. I remember,
0: uh, an ENB video before the dark souls one DLC came out when they had just announced it. And, um, him just, you know, on the mic, just kind of rambling into a mic. Like he usually does like not taking anything away from that <laughs> dude, but that's, he just kind of talks <laughs> yeah, into a mic. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, and, you know, figuring it out. He was like, you know, if they're going to do DLC, I've always thought that we're going to go back to Seal because this yeah. architecture and this and this and this and just literally figuring it out on the mic, yeah. which is fascinating to
1: me. And that's like another example of like, <clears throat> this was meant to be in the base game because there's like beta Sanctuary Guardian and like beta, um, I think there's beta Artorias in this, the vanilla version of Dark Souls. They're just like hanging around and the, they just got dummied out.
0: How much of the uh, cut content stuff do you look at or do you consider? Obviously, there's not a lot of that with Bloodborne because, as you mentioned earlier, we can't really hack into Bloodborne, but with demons there's 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 more
1: than you'd think in Bloodborne that's kind of available just by, like, combing over stuff. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Like, I, it's interesting because, like, it's not in, if it's not in the game, but the game doesn't contradict it, and it was in the game at some point, then how canonical is it?
0: That was the question I was driving at. Definitely. Yeah, what, what, because, would you, like, what would you
1: consider quote unquote canon? Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly because like part of understanding the way that I understand it anyway is that this is a work of fiction and it was it was being revised and it was being changed. And what there's a saying that like films aren't released; they escape. <laughs> and what we get with these, and it's it's more overt, I think, in the Souls games because it seems like they're they're constantly revising them up until like the last minute. That, like, what we end up with is where the game is at that time. And because it's not it's not real, you know, it's not a real place, it's a work of fiction, inevitably bits of it aren't, you're not going to be able to comprehend them. They're just going to be like... Like, one of the big issues with Dark Souls 3 not making sense is that if you look at the network stress test footage, there are these gravestones that you find everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. Ouroboros talks about them in his story. He calls them varti stones because they have,
0: they have, <laughs> have bits of story I remember that from the beta, yeah.
1: Yeah, the, and they're like the notes on the ground in Bloodborne. And the ones that Ouroboros shows off, because he, he obviously it's just the high wall, they fill in quite a few gaps in an interesting way, but that whole mechanic got cut. So it's like if that's just what we learned in the high wall, then if these things were in every area, then like the whole like what's the deal with the angels, what's the deal with Gertrude, you know, what's the deal with the profane flame? Like that that might actually have an answer somewhere in the game that we just can't access because they cut the stones out.
0: That would be really interesting to to pick apart yeah. and get into. I'm, yeah. I'm and like, fasc- oh, yeah.
1: No, it's fine. I just like like, another example of, like, the, the game's just... I just have to say it doesn't quite make sense is, like, the the gargoyles in the Profaned Capital. Mm-hmm. Now, we're told in the game, in the text, these are the gargoyles which inhabit the Profaned Capital, so they, they're implied to have come from there. But then they're also in Lothric, and if you look at the that big statue of Lothric in the courtyard, it's held aloft by little tiny versions of that gargoyle. So it's like, if you were just paying attention to what was happening... You know, in the game, you would say, "Oh, these these gargoyles are part of Lothric," but then you have the text telling you they're actually from the profane capital, and it's like, it's just like this weird contradictory information.
0: It's like the team A didn't didn't realize that team. I hate to even say team B. (laughs) It's it's like you know the team George didn't tell team (laughs) Allen that. Yeah, we're we're gonna write a little thing about the gargoyles over here. No, no, we
1: got something over there. Like that was never ironed out during production. So and like the profane capital, they talk about. Oh, there's a fire that came from the sky. It's underground. Like there's no sky there. It's (laughs) it's just like. And, like, oh, God, that area is so weird. And, like, I've been looking through Dark Souls 3 and just finding, like, I'm kind of more interested in the inconsistencies and the things that make sense. Because you've got, like, the Londor Pale Shade is dressed like the handmaidens in the Profaned Capital. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And then, like, do you know know the weirdest part of it, right, is you've got Irithyll Dungeon where you have half-transformed dragon creatures that look like they're people that were half-turned into a dragon. And then you have Oseros, who is a fully transformed dragon person, and he has the same like tailbone staff and everything. Mm-hmm. If those were in the same area, it'd be like, oh, these are the failures. Oseros is the, the success. But they're not only in different areas, they're in different kingdoms who hate each other. And they're like attacking each other. So they don't, they're not in any way products of the same thing. And it's so strange. And it's further complicated because it's not the only way to turn into a dragon in the game. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> And you've got like, again, the path of the dragon, you find it behind Oseros, but then the actual way you get there is in Irithil. And it, it's just all over the place. Yeah. It's, it's very strange. Unlike you... like dungeon there. There are the only unique enemy there are the jailers and the wretches. And it's just full of like, other random monsters that I don't know why they I don't know why the leech people are there. The 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 maggot corpses are there and like the spider cages from Undead Settlement are there again. And I'm just like did they not like did they just kind of shove enemies and like the profane capital the only unique thing in the profane capital are the are the hand monsters. The rest of it stuff you find in other parts of the game and I'm just like what's the story with this place? Like and those those hand monsters,
0: for whatever reason, just scream Aldia to me. Like that definitely seems like an yeah. Aldia creation. Like the way that yeah, he was and making giant curse frogs, right? it's just, Yeah, uh, it yeah, seems, exactly. And like he's no, really don't, nowhere to be
1: found in this game. He's so. nowhere to be found. And then like there's this interesting thing where like the Japanese name for profane capital is the is the capital of sin. And I'm like, is that scholar of the first sin? Is this where Aldia is? And then like, mm-hmm. and then you find like the. The Profaned Flame Pyromancy, which is like, the is it Chaos Bird Vestiges? It's like, it's some like Dark Souls 2 Pyromancy with a new name. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, was that? Oh God, I don't know. Like it's, (laughs) (laughs) the thing I like about Bloodborne (laughs) is it's like, it's a small-ish self-contained story with like, there's very clearly one like vision behind it that's Mm -hmm. controlling everything, making sure it's all, there's like one captain of this. Ship that is making sure everything's moving in the same direction. And then, like, you get to Dark Souls 2, we've got two directors, and suddenly it's kind of all over the place. And then, three has three directors. And it, it really shows that, like, what, I don't understand you, this. You would need that many directors to make
0: the games that they want to make now. Like, Bloodborne is is huge, but it's obviously not as big as something like Dark Souls 3. Um, yeah. So it's, it's interesting that, you know, you, one person can have that vision and do it, but it's really, really difficult for a game development studio to, to do that well, now. My
1: understanding is that was like a time thing where, like, Miyazaki, like, Dark Souls 2, <laughs> Dark Souls 3 and Bloodborne were being done at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, like... Miyazaki was doing Bloodborne and then kind of part time Dark Souls 3, and then he came onto Dark Souls 3 toward the end or something like that.
2: Hmm.
1: Yeah. But like it's interesting looking at 3 because there's you can see these different philosophies in the level design. So like like the Lothric areas are very, very like that's very Demon Souls, the way everything is connected and and the layout and everything. And then you have like Road of Sacrifices, which is very, very Dark Souls 2. Mm-hmm. and they are kind of sitting next to each other in a, in a vaguely awkward way
0: yeah the the road of sacrifices really reminds me of um oh crap the the huntsman's cops yeah like that kind yeah of outdoor open to the sky creatures hidden in the trees type, type areas yeah yeah and, it, of
1: that. yeah and yeah and like i i I don't hate Dark Souls two at all like i I think Dark Souls two is better than Dark Souls Three, to be honest, like it's a more consistent game, but one of the the things I like about the way Miyazaki designs levels as opposed to other people is that because he's very he's very conscious of like structure and complexity, you can get good at learning the level so like the first the first run through of high wall I did took me like hours mm-hmm. And then when I learned the layout and I had the little mental map of it, it takes me like five minutes. But
0: What's then you
1: have like road of sacrifices, which will kind of always take you about the same amount of time because it's literally just a road. Mm. You just run down
0: you have, it ha- It's not, at that point, knowledge doesn't compress that space because that, you, yeah, you there's have nothing, to cross it. There's, no, yeah, there's nothing that knowing about it would help you.
1: <laughs> you can't navigate it in an interesting way. You just run down it.
0: I'm curious. You mentioned something earlier about talking um, about Bloodborne to some uh, Lovecraft-like literature. People. Yeah. How well um, do you think the games would, or the game's story specifically Bloodborne, because it's easier to talk about Bloodborne as mm. a complete whole? But do, how well do you think it holds up in the telling to someone without them having played the game? Like, if
1: well, I think like I think the Lovecraft stuff kind of became an albatross around the game's neck of it um there was actually a post in the the weird literature reddit we weird, weird capital w weird is the the name for the genre that lovecraft wrote in and there's other other weird authors um, about what was the reception of bloodborne like in the weird fiction community and they were like we haven't heard of this and like to me the the issue is like it didn't sell itself as a work of of lovecraftian cosmic horror it sold itself as this is the steampunk werewolf game. And then, so as a result, those people weren't interested in it. And then, when the the Lovecraftian stuff started creeping into Bloodborne, um, people who weren't interested in it, I think they just sort of it just became like a trivia thing, like, oh, this is looks like this thing from Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath or something like that. Um, and that was sort of as deep as it. Because I I don't this is gonna sound weird, but I don't think of Bloodborne as that much of a Lovecraftian story. I think it takes it takes elements from lovecraft but it's not it's not that lovecraft like it the ending is like i'm t- i'm talking in circles it's like <laughs> you're in a lovecraftian story like the idea would, would it would be something like you discover the great ones exist and you go mad and that's the end this is like you discover the great ones exist and you have a giant transforming chainsaw and you kill them <laughs> and then you you consume a bunch of umbilical cords and you transform into a psychic slug and that <laughs> elevates humanity into like a psychic super race which is like that's that's kind of the antithesis of lovecraft in a lot of ways it's just and like
0: i don't know why that got me richard i'm sorry <laughs> I'm tickled <laughs> to death by that
1: cuz like like um like, a lot of Lovecraft, people who write in the Lovecraftian tradition intentionally make a point of inverting what Lovecraft was was trying to do because of his politics,
2: mm.
1: but still trying to keep, like, the affect of... Because, um... like, one of the things about Lovecraft is, like, he was a very, very racist, very xenophobic person, and there's a tendency for some people to say, well, that's just the standards of the time, you have to forget it. But, like, you kind of can't when it comes to him, because if he wasn't horrified of immigrants and Jews, he wouldn't have written those stories. So it's difficult to say, it's not like you are reading a piece of, of 1940s pulp and it's a bit sexist. Like you're reading something that is, that is entirely driven by this man's sort of ecstatic xenophobia. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's like you kind of can't separate the two you you have to like accept it as he wouldn't have written those stories if he wasn't you know that kind of horrible a person
0: it that's you know it's it's really interesting because there's not really a lot of that in the game thankfully like we don't yeah get, we don't get a lot of that um uh I guess xenophobia is probably the easiest word, but like even when people are turning into beast and things, it's, it's much more, there's much more of a divide. It's not because you're well, different. Well, there's xenophobia, you're...
1: but it's xenophobia of the people of Yarnum who hate you. Like exactly. It's not <laughs> exactly. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't. Yeah. And, they, and they're <laughs> wrong. They believe that it's, it's outsiders who are corrupting them when mm-hmm. actually the corruption was within them all along. Like the corruptions coming from the church it's not coming from foreigners, but they want to kill you because you're a foreigner. And so it, it doesn't validate their point of view at all. And what, like the 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 quote unquote good ending is like completely embracing this strangeness and becoming something else rather than trying to and even like like willem and lawrence like they're not they're not scared of, of like human boundaries disappearing they're actually trying to change people they're trying to like make human beings into something else, into something better. Whereas in, in a Lovecraft story that like the idea of sort of boundaries breaking down and people like, you know, bodies becoming, uh, you know, sort of the, the, you know, uh, like lack of, of rigidity and sort of things mm-hmm. changing is, is the source of a lot of the horror in that.
0: How did you feel, uh, when, when before the DLC came out, kind of the yeah. origin of everything happening in Bloodborne was um, these people digging into the Thumerian Labyrinth and yeah, finding the, yeah. this, you know, this this the blood, this, the blood, and this, you know, these alien things. Um, but when the DLC came out, obviously we we kind of got retconned a bit. Now, obviously the, the obviously yeah. that stuff still happened, but it seemed like a majority of the things actually came from the, the story of the old hunters came from this fishing village and this, you know, great betrayal and well, things
1: like the, that. The way that I can the way that I'm trying to make sense of it is like the chalice dungeons are kind of like, that's part one of what mm-hmm. happened. And then that escalates into the fishing hamlet. Cause the impression I get, cause I, I've been researching Bergenworth for a while now, just basically trying to understand what they were doing. But the impression I get is like, they discover the, the old blood in the labyrinth and then Willem forbades its use. And he, he's the one that orders them to go to the, fishing hamlet because he wants to kind of look at the the physiology of of like an ascended being to understand how it worked before he attempts anything and that's what yeah oh god like like and like i i talk a lot about because i'm assuming most people listening this won't know who i am because i'm not that popular but like i i talk a lot about japanese cultural stuff when i'm when I'm making videos now, I didn't used to, but it's become kind of my thing. And like, like just in researching Bloodborne, I found all this stuff that I had no idea was a thing. And one of them is um, it's traditional. I don't know how widespread it is, but it's, it's something I've heard about a lot that it's traditional for a Japanese person to keep part of their umbilical cord dried, like in a little ceremonial box as like a, like a link between to symbolize a link between them and their parents. Hmm. And in bloodborne you have these umbilical cords that you find and it's like just just understanding that like preserving part of an umbilical cord to represent the link between you and your mother is a cultural thing in Japan. Suddenly like it answers a lot of questions about what's going on in that game that you you kind of can't figure out
0: it answers the question Why do people leave these umbilical cords laying around yeah yeah (laughs) why are they because like i remember like previously
1: it's like well is it an actual umbilical cord did we get it is it like have we pulled it out of the mother like and it doesn't look like an umbilical cord at all it looks like a cochlea it's got eyes on it and we're like what is this and then people are doing like well you know it's it's um the umbilical cord is where you get stem cells from. So maybe it's a reference to this and everything. And it turns out like the, the answer kind of is, is to look to the culture that produced it. If there's something you don't quite understand. Cause like a lot of, a lot of this strangeness around, like, I don't understand thing X in product from another culture is that it might not be that weird in another culture. You're just not used to it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And,
0: be- and mm. before we go, um, before we wrap up, but this is a question I okay. have to ask everybody because cool. my, my audience demands it. Um, yeah, chalice dungeons, yes or no?
1: I like the chalice dungeons, yes. and I'm and I'm annoyed that they've never added DLC chalices because oh. that, <laughs> like, it's just an item, and you, equ- you you use that item on the thing. So just like put a put a couple of new chalices on the PSN store for like five bucks, and I'll buy them absolutely i would i mean if you would feed
0: me ten dollar dlc that just added enemies and room types and weapons yeah maybe not weapons because they they
1: seem to be designed with like that kind of modular construction in mind that you mm -hmm. could just like shove some plug some extra stuff in and it still works but uh
0: it really feels like there's a there's a business plan that just went awry somewhere between sony and from yeah because they they, they were were really
1: pushing the chalice dungeons initially and then when it and then they just seem to have lost interest when it actually came out.
0: I remember and I've talked about this before, the that, that E3 video, um, or E three demonstration of Bloodborne that was all chalice dungeons where they talked about yeah. you're gonna co-op with your friend and you're gonna have these like kind of infinite, you're gonna pull these levers and things will change in the in the chalices and Yeah. I don't I never I don't ever I don't get mad when developers start something off and then it doesn't make it to final product <laughs> because I understand how the world works and I'm not a child. Yeah. but, yeah. Uh, but you know, you see what their vision for that was
1: and it's so fascinating. I want. It, I want it so much. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I played No Man's Sky like fairly recently, and I was thinking like, in a this sounds bizarre, but like the Chalice Dungeons are kind of like what No Man's Sky was trying to do. Mm-hmm. Because the problem with No Man's Sky is you have infinite variation, but there's no way to actually share it with anyone because it's this infinite universe. Whereas with Bloodborne, you could be like, hey, I found you know a four level lower thumaru chalice it's got like this weird enemy it's got like a blood rock it's got these runes here's the code and share it with everyone and like like that chalice that has the chalice mole in it like that really rare enemy Mm -hmm. i've been there and it is absolutely full of messages it's full of (laughs) phantoms who are running around everyone it's like a zoo everyone's coming to see it and like you've actually created a little community thing here where whoever discovered that has shared it and everyone's come to see it and it was discovered through exploration whereas in no man's sky like i found a planet but i i can't all i can do is take a screenshot of it and show it to my friends mm-hmm. mm.
0: that's and it's it's an interesting comparison because i'm a i'm one of those people that played no man's sky and enjoyed yeah. it for what it was even on yeah, release. I like it. even uh, yeah. and it's it's good for what it is. The the expectations killed that game. Um but it's yeah. it's very comparative to the Chalice Dungeons where there's, you know, there's you can build just about anything, you can do anything, but you kind of have to have the willingness to put yourself into it. Like the if
1: you Yeah, there has to be a structure to it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and like the other thing about the Chalice Dungeons is that what you grab from those dungeons feeds back into your progression through the base game. So like Knowing that you can get a blood rock or you can get like a level four rune in one of these dungeons, it's it's useful to you outside of just the dungeon. Whereas No Man's Sky, like it's just a planet. <laughs> well, Richard, thank you very much for staying up until the
0: early hours That's and fine. podcasting with me. Um the time zone thank you difference for makes it, me. <laughs> it makes it kind of crazy. Um most of my most of the listeners of this podcast probably know who you are but can you tell people where they can find you on the internet
1: um you can find me on youtube a channel called jerks on frontier which i should not have called that because i was never expect. <laughs> i wasn't <laughs> expecting to have an audience at any point i just called it that because it sounded funny and now i'm stuck with it um if you look up bloodborne up close on youtube you should be able to find me and uh like maybe skip the first three episodes <laughs> just start somewhere in the middle when I figured out what I was doing. And if you're listening
0: to this on your podcast app, look in the show notes, and there will be links for all of that stuff in there. Mm. Um, thank you again for guesting on the show. I very much appreciate well, th- it. Thank you very much for asking me on. Um, as always, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. You've been listening to Don't Give Up Skeleton. You can find me at JG Greer. You can find the podcast at DGUS Podcast. Richard, you-, you have a Twitter? Right? I don't think I let you. I may have. Yeah, I'm you just
1: um. I'm just Richard underscore name. Okay. Excellent. Sorry. Oh I don't know if there's an underscore actually. We you know me on Twitter. That's true. I do. So, <laughs> just, just copy <laughs> that. I've forgotten my Twitter <laughs> handle. Um, I get whether there's it's it's underscore or like a dot or one word or
0: <laughs> Again, I'll put a link in the show notes. I don't remember either. I can look it up right now. Yeah. Um, you can find this podcast at DGUS Podcast. You can also go to don'tgiveupskeleton.com to find all of my social media links. Check out our Instagram where I put up 60-second clips of the this week's episodes so you can kind of get a quick preview to decide if you want to listen or not. Thank you, as always, for listening. I very, very much appreciate it. And remember, don't give up, Skeleton. <laughs> uh, I always have to thank Richard for giving me. He's like, why don't you ever... Why don't you have a tagline to, to, to leave? And I said, I, I don't really... I do really, can't think of a tagline. He's like, Your the name of your podcast is a tagline. And Jeremy and I was said. like, oh yeah, that's that's
1: yeah, I should, I should remember that. I actually <laughs> left a give it up, skeleton today. Did you really? Yeah, because um, in in the the covered Stevens room when there's that spiral stick.